0: the American Towing Recovery Institute on-the-go podcast. This is podcast number five, and yes, we do. On the line, we have the one and only Wes Wilburn. Wes, how are you, my friend?
1: Doing good today, doing good. We're blessed with some sunshine. Uh, You're hearing, this is recorded about nine days before you folks hear this, so most of the country's in snow and ice, and we're praying for all our friends, especially in the South, that can't really aren't geared up for that type of weather so um we're blessed today yeah and feeling good personally as well dj
0: thank you for asking i'm glad and i'm glad you mentioned the bad weather across the country all the way around the horn buddy It, it is heavy out there
1: it is now dj before we go much further i do want to thank you for being back uh, last week, you we sent you out on those ambush interviews, and you you know I do I sent what folks. What I did was I sent them out to the ambush in, interview flow from Progressive Insurance. I wanted to know why does Progressive challenge tow bills in some areas of the country and others? You know, not in others, and what's going on with that Progressive family commercial? And apparently, he got around. It. DJ, you want to tell him you got around her and got all tongue-tied? Is that what happened? <laughs> you all are right, I know. I got ser- to be serious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank God the listeners know you
1: and I are dear friends. <laughs> that was a good one. You're something else, my friend. All right. We are going to send you out on some ambush interviews, though, DJ, when I can't have you on, but
0: we're, we're happy to have you back. You got it. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be your co-host this Episode number five. Uh, first thing we want to do is the segment that we have on the Internet. How about we start with that one, Wes? What's the most interesting thing you've seen on the Internet this week?
1: Um, well, uh, the most interesting thing I've seen this week is alarming. Like another episode, I talked about that. This time, we're back with the weather and whatnot. We're back to tow operators and other roadside workers being struck in, by vehicle accidents. Slow down moveovers for everybody, and I think uh well first of all, let's talk about the problem. The problem is bigger than just the towing industry. It's a societal problem in my mind. It reminds me of back in the nineteen eighties when drunk driving was somewhat accepted and finally society took a stance against it. You know, part of the pro back then people didn't think it was such a harm to have a couple of drinks and drive home until you knew somebody that was hurt or killed by a drunk driver then your perspective changed on that apparently apparently it's what I witnessed as a young man part of the problem is people are so self-absorbed and addicted to social media combined with a generation or two that was raised with no consequences for their actions it's a societal problem worldwide what can we do in the towing industry to be proactive well one of them is proper reflective wear now, I've seen many comments on social media, I don't wear a vest, it gives them a target to aim for. Well, first of all, that's a very sad outlook on life. But second of all, you don't wear a vest for yourself, you wear it for your widow or widower. It can affect a settlement situation, and in many states, it can be caused. It can be considered a part of the factor that led to the incident. Of course, I believe there's more good in the world than bad, and I think of someone getting up in their years driving like myself. That reflective wear gives me a warning that there's a human being there. Another issue I've addressed before is get on that non-traffic side as much as possible. But here's something else that we can do to be proactive just as human beings. We all have a family, a circle of family and friends. Many times they're not involved in any of the roadside businesses that are affected. You have an obligation to make those family and friends aware of the move-over-slowdown laws and how often people are killed on the side of the road. We've all heard the federal statistics, every six days of are telling operators killed in struck a struck-by-vehicle accident. You combine that, police and fire are much less, but DOT workers are much more. And that doesn't even cover all the other roadside workers that are out there. My father was a land survey. Believe it or not, they're suffering from the same problems. I was 12 or 13 years old. And my father had to go check something on a job site. And many times he would do this. He would take me and my brother with him. him, And we checked one or two things that needed to be checked. You know, with the survey, this was the old days, surveying like George Washington did. Right. At 12 or 13 years old, I almost got struck on the side of the road uh, uh, holding a level rod while my father shot with the transit. It got him very flustered. We switched positions. He put me on the transit and basically figured out a way to to, that he could check the couple numbers that he needs, but land surveyors face these issues, people collecting trash, mobile mechanics. And we all are part of the roadside community of workers. We all have an obligation to educate our family and friends, our so-called family and friends of this issue and make them aware of it, make people realize the importance of it. Um, one of the things that I'm horrified to read on social media is telling operators, kind of stating, or really more bragging is a better word, that they're throwing lug wrenches at passing motorists that feel like they got too close to them. Oh my God, please get another job. I can understand being flustered. I can understand that. But a criminal act that's heartless, that's going to cause of serious accident, multiple people to get hurt or killed, is not the answer. Again, I think as a civilized society, we need to address this like we did with drunk drivers. What can you do locally? Maybe one of the things you should consider doing is organizing a local rally of all the different roadside workers in your community, tire repair, mobile mechanics, land surveyors, trash collection, highway construction, DOT employees, contractors. There's multiple groups. And plan on having a rally somewhere in town. Make it, make it a non-political event. Just try to raise your community's awareness. Good idea. Good idea. So that's probably the, 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 the most interesting thing. But while I'm on the subject of the internet and bragging, I read a post with an operator, a heavy-duty towing operator, asked a simple question about the way that people route their safety chains, crossed or not crossed. And I was shocked about how many people state that they do not use safety range, safety chains for many reasons. One of them bragged that I hook up so good I never need them. As my dad would say, famous last words. Another reason that I hear is that if I'm telling it and it falls off, I don't want it taking me with me. Irresponsible at best. Your hookup in your secondary safety chains should be Used in a manner, whether you're going one block or a thousand miles, that what if your mother, your sister, your daughter was riding in the car next to you, behind you? What, what steps would you like to, would you take in that situation? And if you come from a dysfunctional family, you should pick someone you like, but that's the standard you should hold yourself. But I digress. I want to close this segment on the Internet with this thought. Does your company have a social media policy? It probably should. You know, just in general, your company should be careful of any internet postings. People look at them nowadays, underwriters for insurance com- companies, competitors, possible future customers. You should be very, very sensitive about what you put you put on the internet nowadays, is my suggestion to you. It's a great tool, but it can be a weapon used against you. Boy,
0: Wes, I concur with you 110%. People should realize what's on their social media sites, and and I agree with you. Uh, I spoke for a construction company up in the Carolinas three or four years ago, and I could not believe how many employees, they did road construction, you know, highways, how -hmm. many of them have passed away from people not even concentrating on driving. They were on cell phones. They were on everything else but what they were supposed to be doing, concentrating
1: uh, it's an epidemic, DJ. It really is. I'm glad you brought it and, up. You know, we talk about every six days, the statistic for DOT workers, which is those, the DOT employees of the state, some folks that you just mentioned doing construction jobs could be a private contact or picking up trash. So it's a big group. It's Like five days, every week, uh, on average, you know, it's one every six days for a towing operator, uh. Every week on average, five out of five days out of the seven, someone is killed in that field from a struck by vehicle. And you know, the the statistics I've never been able to find is the the consumer. Sometimes they're marked as a a pedestrian hit. Sometimes they're marked as part of a traffic accident. So there's, I haven't been able to find a real clear number, statistic that what I think in terms of, I believe if you put everybody together, Every day, two people die in a vehicle in a struck by vehicle accident that could have been avoided by move over, slow down. That's the, that's what the statistic I use in my mind, and that's the one that I tell towing operators to share that with that customer on the side of the road because a lot of times that customer isn't aware, they're flustered, they're dealing, they're thinking about their broke down vehicle, et cetera. And I feel the towing operator has an obligation to inform those folks.
0: See, Wes, I concur with you. I know one of your classes that I attended where you were teaching the dispatcher or the person who answered the phone at the towing facility to remind their customer to exit the vehicle on the side and get over, you know, stay in the vehicle. But if you got out of the vehicle, go over to the passenger side and get out. I remember you saying that to the dispatcher.
1: Yeah, that's thanks, DJ. That's a good point to bring up right now. That makes it a company-wide message that everything they've heard from the company, A, you're doing the right thing, which, you know, that's always important with me. But B, from a company-slash-legal liability point, too, you've you've done everything you can to help protect those people. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in nowadays. We have to consider that second one as much as the first one. Yeah, it's, it,
0: well, I attended one of your classes, and, and that was the one you were explaining to the people, and I thought, boy, here's right there at the dispatch. You said, okay, ma'am, estimated time is going to be about 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, stay in your vehicle, or if you do, do not exit into the traffic over the railing. Get on the other side of the railing and wait if you want, if desire, you know, that kind of thing. But it was that kind of good tips that you gave and made everybody conscious of it. Okay. Let me ask this of you in a previous uh, podcast that we had and you mentioned something about uh, uh, attaching for luxury vehicles. Could you share a little bit more information on that one?
1: Thanks DJ. Absolutely. I promised we'd get back to it and we never did. Um, one of the things that we've enacted in the last week or so is a, before I get into that subject, DJ, one of the things we've enacted at our website Um is a visual section for these uh, podcasts where I talk about things like what I'm just about to talk about. Yes. But you can go there to get some visuals to help explain it further. The um, One of the things that I think is very dangerous nowadays about light-duty towing, especially on, uh, well, I would say luxury automobiles, because just a few years ago it was the only luxury automobiles that ha- would have a tow pin or a tow eye. The device you screw in the front bumper, you know, it's a European-style selling situation. But, heck, a lot more cars each year have that tow pin. There's issues with those tow pins. They will fail. They have failed. They can end up being very dangerous. The problem centers around it's a European-designed automobile, but yet we don't use European-designed tow trucks here. European-designed tow trucks will pick cars up by the wheels like we saw when Lady Diana died and how they recovered that car, or most of the carriers overseas have a winch that will move, so it will either hydraulically or manually, you can line up the pin in the winch for a straight pull. American cars don't have, excuse me, American tow trucks, for the most part, they don't use the cranes to pick them. Very, very rarely you see that. I don't know why people, we haven't followed Europe, because it makes sense in a lot of ways for, in my mind. We also don't you choose that option that I I know Century Wrecker has it. I'm not sure about the others, but I know Miller with Century has an option where the winch will either move hydraulically or manually, where you can line up the straight pull on that pin. Right now, when most of the time when we pull that pin and we go directly from the winch to that pin, we're causing a side load on it. Many times, the operator that the pin fails on, and yes, they will fail, they'll pull out. It's really just screwed into a little nut that's tack welded there. If you're ever around the body shop and you have a car with a tow pin apart, you know, where they're repairing the front end, if you take a look at that nut and it's just a tack welded a couple little spots, there's not much holding it on. And what will happen is a couple different things. One of them is the car is pulled out of a ditch using that pin. And then you use the pin for a simple tow and you become the straw that broke the camel's back. Another issue that will happen is they winch the car up on the bed with that thing and they put something on the rear to hold it and they pull the winch tight to hold it tight, which is not designed for that. It's just designed for loading and unloading those. Any type of automobile that has those pins is designed to be secured by the wheels to the bed of the carrier. I got you. So, couple things. There's a strap that BA made called a Tesla strap, and this is where the visuals will help. Um, it's got a low profile head to keep the hook turned sideways, and it's all soft rigging. You're not touching the car with anything but cloth. The reason you can't just take a set of J-hooks and hook to those lower control arms is the on these modern automobiles, they're using all kinds of alloy steel. The alloy steel is very, very strong. They're able to use a whole lot less of it to take the strength of the lower control arms. But it's also brittle, and if you touch it with a hook, you'll create a little crack that will spread like a crack in your windshield. So the soft strap allows you to touch it just with fabric, to pull it up into position to be tied down by its wheels. If you use the toe pin, I'm strongly suggesting you use some form of catch strap. A round sling maybe is what some folks use. Me and uh, Tommy Luciano and, and BA a few, many years ago now designed a catch strap and we'll have a picture of that on the visual so you can see what it is. But that catch strap, you're hooking in case the toe eye fails. And it's a great idea. Another thing is if you are using the toe-eye, you ought to consider coming down to the toe-eye with a snatch block and take the cable up to the back, to the far corner on that same side, on that passenger side of the vehicle normally. Gotcha. What this does, we're using a snatch block to create a two-part line. The two-part line does reduce the tension on the winch line. But we're not using it for that. We're using it to help center the pull. And this will be another thing that will, get, will give you a visual on the uh, visual part of, on our website to see what I'm talking about. I want people to be very, very careful with these toe pins. They have failed on numerous operators. And again, many times the operator that it fails on did nothing wrong. He was just a straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so that's, wh- that's what I wanted to share with you guys. I know I danced around it on an earlier podcast, but I'm glad we had a minute to go into that in detail.
0: You got it. Well, let's do this. Let's take a real quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask a little bit about the American Towing Recovery Institute, but one of the nice things, a segment that Wes always wants to talk about is good things that's happening in the community. So let's take a fast break, and we we'll are right back.
1: Join us in Opelika, Alabama, March 13th and 14th, for two days of light and medium-duty towing and recovery classes. There will be hands-on sessions each day with real-world scenarios in which we focus on both recovery and towing issues with modern cars and medium-duty trucks. These classes include recovery techniques, hookup points using light and medium-duty trucks, rigging methods, factory direct information for towing and transporting late model luxury vehicles. So join us March 13th and 14th for the only class West Wilburn will have in Alabama this year. And stay tuned for the upcoming classes in Washington, North Carolina, March 27th and 28th. For more information, go to amtowri.com or amtowri.org.
0: We're back, one and all. We're listening to Wes Wilburn from the American Towing and Recovery Institute on the Go podcast. Uh Wes, what I want to ask you, if I may, is we're talking about different situations and right now at American Towing and Recovery. Uh, Are there any special deals on rigging and maybe some other equipment that you may have available?
1: Oh, yeah. We um, have just done a special purchase with over $20,000 worth of surplus rigging inventory that we're going to liquidate at discount prices. We had that special last week with the buy-to-get-to oblong rings. There's still a few of those left. And go to our website, and there's plenty of deals there. We'll give you the website information at the end. I don't want this to be an infomercial. But, yeah, we definitely have got a lot of deals. As a matter of fact, I struggled with a forklift problem today. It kind of reminds me of being back in the road service business trying to fix a problem on a on a vehicle. But, anyway, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff, and we're going to be definitely putting some super discount deals out there. So keep an eye on them. And also, Wes Wilburn on Facebook, American Towing and Recovery Institute on Facebook. Uh, make sure you friend us and like us and stay in touch with us that way as well. Hate to promoting uh that brand of social media, but it is what it is right now. We have we've stopped Twitter and we're gonna probably switch over to some of the other brands as well. So but it is what it is today. Friend me, Wes Wilburn on Facebook, or American Telling and Recovery Institute.
0: Yeah, now you were dealing with a forklift problem today. What was what was your hassle? Because I want everyone to know we're in the podcast studio. We had to delay the podcast today because of Wes, everyday business. What were you doing today, Wes?
1: We received five pallets of freight and my forklift broke down. It gave me a little problem yesterday and this morning didn't have the problem, but I, I think it's with all the rain, the electronic shift has gotten moist and We've been out there with a the hairdryer trying to get it dried out. and I'm not sure what we're going to do because it's intermittent at this point. But um, when I hang up the phone from you, I'm probably trying to tear it apart and see – I'm um, thinking of circuit boards in there that got wet or something. I don't know. This, this new stuff's a little beyond me, D.J., to be honest with you. But yeah. one way or another, we're going to figure it out. My whole team here is with five pallets of freight. They want to see the forklift working, so, and I do too. So Yeah, we don't have a, a- – a hair dryer at People my house. Think,
0: I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. I don't have a hair dryer at my house. I don't have hair. Oh, that's
1: right. You have a spray on, don't you? Yeah. The spray on they, hair. they using a <laughs> gorilla uh, glue stuff. Now DJ, there's a, we're going to have to talk at the end. There's a whole thing about the gorilla glue right now. <laughs> You're too much. So.
0: All right. My dear friend, let me ask you this one. Uh, you've mentioned in the past a couple of times about good news in the community. What's some of the good news we want to share on this podcast, number five?
1: I want to motivate the towing industry. At, and uh, to, I hate, let me back up. I hate the perception of the towing industry. Yes, it's, it's so unfair. They do so much and they're perceived the wrong way most of the time. So, part of what I've focused on the, with the American Towing and Recovery Institute is to try to help towing companies change that image. I don't know if being a we can flick a switch and change things, but change things. But I think we need to take steps. One of the steps I want to challenge every telling company out there to do is to help support your local fire department, yes. especially with the volunteer, but paid fire departments who need some support too. They love getting a few cars. And using them for practice. And it's really good for everybody in the community, including yourself, your family. They travel these roads. It's good for your fire department to be up to speed. Now, if you give them a couple cars, give it to them with no strings attached. Tell them they can destroy the darn things, whatever. You don't care. And and here's another thing. First of all, I know it's business, and I know you need every penny you can get, but if you can't afford to give away a couple of junk cars, maybe you, consider, you should consider your whole business plan and looking at your prices and your expenses. Also, talk to your, your accountant. There very well might be tax write-off situations. I'm not an accountant. I can't speak to that for sure, but especially with a volunteer fire department. So there might even be a good business move, but even if it isn't. Give them the car with the tires holding air, the catalytic converters on it, don't have scrap them out. Give them a real deal to participate with. If you can get it back at the end, that's awesome. If you can't, talk to your accountant see if you can't write it off. I've seen companies bragging on giving fire departments cars and they stripped every bit of the interior out. There's nowhere to put a practice dummy in there to practice with. Or give them cars with catalytic converters cut off them, tires missing. It's not how they find them at wrecks. And so, A, it's just good for the community. B, it'll give you a really clean feeling in your heart that you're doing a little something to help. And C, if you talk to your accountant, um, there's probably tax advantages. And who knows? This might lead to cross-training. Cross-training with fire departments is something that, under one of the fire department standards, the NFPA, National Fire Protection Association, has developed standards at the turn of the century for firefighters and towers working together. Myself and a gentleman named Ron Moore developed a course for firefighters and towers working together, and we did it like 2001, 2002, so this isn't a new concept. Ron Moore has written for Firehouse Magazine for like almost 30 years. You you remember Ron,
0: don't you, DJ? He's one fantastic human being, and he'll send you articles if you, you'll you go on the website, and he'll he'll send you well, your articles. That,
1: you're right, DJ. That's what we're going to do, actually, is we're going to post his article there. He's semi-retired now. He's uh, very involved with his family life, and uh, he isn't doing a whole lot, although people reached out to him. He still responds, and he'd probably appreciate it. But he wrote a great article in Firehouse Magazine that we have permission to reprint. Super. And we're going to put this on the website. But this, this article kind of lays out a cross-training session for a tower and a firefighter to NFPA standards. So it's something that you could maybe print out and take to the fire department as you proposed, giving them cars and making it clear. You're willing to give them some cars to try to help the community. You're not trying to get an extra tow call. And have that in your heart. That you're doing this because you're trying to help the community and you're not trying to squeeze an extra tow call. You know what I've always learned, DJ. You do the right things and think you do the right thing, and other things will happen around you mysteriously. Exactly. You do things with a kind of, Well, you know what I'm saying. DJ. Oh yes,
0: yes. And the one thing, if I can add on, Fox uh, down in Florida, uh, alligator oh, yeah. towing. They had me go to the fire department. They donate vehicles to fire departments across central Florida. And their accountant wrote the letter that the chief of the fire department actually just signed and says, you know, thank you for, for volunteering these five vehicles. Or thank you for volunteering this cement truck or thank you for volunteering. And he actually just signed the bottom of the letters and Mrs. Fox was allowed to write it off. So, depending on your accountant and depending on the situation, the fire department is, was more than happy to endorse the letters so they could get a tax write off. So.
1: You're absolutely right, DJ. And depending, again, you got to talk to your accountant.
0: Yes. But you not,
1: might not only be writing off the cost of the vehicle that you donate, but the cost of the labor to get it ready, the labor of the tow. Uh, again, talk to your accountants and be good business people. And what it
0: opened up, west, so you'll know it, they opened up and did cross-training. They did training for you know, fire departments and towers working together. It was beautiful. I mean, I'd learned a great deal there. We bring up all these things. I wanted to ask you, you know, when you mentioned uh, Tom. Oh, Tommy Luciano, uh, absolutely. Tommy Luciano. Yeah,
1: um, We used to teach uh, together. At the turn of the century, when I started out on my own, he definitely put- lent me a hand and tried to help me and had me in to help him with some schools. And of course I tried to pay him back wherever I could. And he's just a wonderful individual. You know, he's all about doing good things for his community. And here's something that I'm glad you brought this up, DJ. Tommy does this thing with uh, underprivileged kids where he tries to get them fishing gear and fishing tackle. And they, they're, a lot of times the inner city kids, he's from upstate New York. So I think they you know, dealt with the Albany area and, and the New York city of forest and Syracuse, some of the, you know, cities up there, but they might be from rural areas as well, but they take the kids fishing and they try to give them a fishing pole and a little bit of tackle fishing box.
0: Exactly. So,
1: yeah. So we want to, I'm going to have Kim put up on the visual thing, some contact information for Tommy, you folks junk in these cars, you know, they, go through your auction, nobody buys them, you're cleaning them out to take them to the scrapper. You see that fishing gear? Why don't you take it and donate (laughs) it to Tommy's charity and uh, send it to him, I'll I'll Mm -hmm. get an address for where he wants it to go and whatnot. But um, it's a great thing to do, and the kids leave there with the day out. Many of them have never been out of the city before. Exactly. They get out in God's country, they do some fishing, they go home with a little something, they know people in this world care about them. That's important
0: on so many levels. Wes, I have to share this with you. I wrote an article in American Towman Magazine and one in a recycler magazine. And, of course, recyclers have vehicles coming in all the time. And so people started taking out fishing poles and and, and rods and, and tackle boxes that were left in vehicles. So they sent them to my home. And just before a Baltimore show, I called Tommy and I said, Tommy, My wife wants to kill me. UPS is coming here every two to three days, dropping fishing poles that I had asked people. And I told them about Tommy Luciano's campaign. What's nice about it, listeners, I want you all to know this. The young person who usually doesn't have a mom or a dad, has never gone fishing, just like Wes said, they think they're borrowing the pole for the day. When the day is over... Luciano says to him, how'd you like the pole? He said, oh, thank you, Mr. Luciano or Mr. Tom. Thanks a lot. And he says, oh, no, no, no. Take it home with you. It's yours. So he gives him the fishing pole and the tackle boxes. And you could see the kid's face light up as these, Um. and he thought he was just borrowing it to go fishing that day. He didn't realize it's going to be his. And they go home with the memory of using that fishing pole. It was, Luciano, you're right, Wes. You know, there are some wonderful towers in our country that nobody ever talks about the great things that some towers do off time. And he is just... And so I want you to know, I I rented a U-Haul truck. I had so much that UPS dropped off my home in Georgia. I drove up to Baltimore. Tommy brings a truck down. And then when I told him how big it was, he says, oh, forget it. I'll just take over the truck. And that's what he did. He he emptied my truck out into his truck, and then went back home. And I took my truck back to Georgia. But Tommy Luciano is uh, is a, a hero among us, my friend. And I'm so glad you brought his name up today.
1: Wow. thank you, and it's good that we mentioned this. Yeah. We're going to get Tommy's address out there, so folks can send us to him. And I hope we can overwhelm him with fishing gear as well. Hey, so I hey, think it's great that Wes.
0: Do you ever you always give your you know your website and everything at the end. Do you want people ever to call you if they have a question or can I give That's, their your phone number out is that all right with you? Yeah,
1: absolutely. They let me let me give two phone numbers if we could. We'll yes. give the main office number which is a pretty simple number. It's 910 747 9000. And that normally 90% of the time, my wife, Abel, answers the phone, and she came from a towing background, so she kind of tries to answer 24-7 like a tow dispatcher would. We don't, we don't always, we're not perfect on that, but we, we do a pretty good job, so you can call us anytime. The only screening she does on my telephone calls is to make sure you're not selling envelopes or want to update my vehicle warranty. Once, once we get past that, all you have to say to her is, I'm a telling operator and I need help, Sometimes she'll say, Wes is right here. Sometimes she'll say, here's his cell phone number, which I'm going to give in a minute. And sometimes she's going to say, he's in a class. What is your, what is your problem? Or if it's something like needing help in Georgia, a lot of times she can access the teller without me being involved. If it's a technical situation, she might give you another instructor's phone number, or she'll text me and whoever's with me at the class. And then my personal cell is 910 322 I try to answer it pretty religiously as well, but I do not have it on during class. I'll look at it on the plate. Of course, I'm very text friendly. So, yeah, that's a good idea, DJ. I didn't think about that. We welcome phone calls. People don't want to deal with us through the internet, want to talk to a live person. We welcome that.
0: Let me repeat the phone number. The main number is 910 747. Nine thousand nine zero zero zero, and you could always text uh, Wes at nine one zero three two two three seven zero three. So a lot of and times they can people, call. They can yeah. call me
1: too if they
0: want. Yeah, but I I like to text you because that way I know you're not dealing with the forklift or dealing with some other problem or some other challenge that you have.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And of course, we got our website. The long version is American and But we've got a couple shortcuts. Very simple www.amtoeri.com or www.amtoeri.org. Both of those will lead you to the main website. Exactly. You got it.
0: com and the same amtoe, My friend, episode number five is in the can. You've done a phenomenal job one more time. (laughs) And for our listeners, please like us, share us, and be aware that wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there also. Wes, thank you so
1: very much. God bless you, DJ. I certainly appreciate you. DJ is a heck of a motivational speaker. He's got all kinds of uh, CD-ROMs to listen to to help motivate your crew. Uh, we're going to have him give his contact information and that will also be part of the visual on the website. How do people get in touch with you, DJ?
0: If they go to DJ at DJ says, S-A-Y-S so it's DJ at DJ says, S-A-Y-S dot com and that's me.
1: You've got some great motivational CD-ROMs for your your, uh, crew and uh, folks ought to take them. If you like, you know, if you're Follow what I do. Check him out. He's just a great, great uh, inspirational speaker. He really is. I can't thank you enough for getting me involved in this, DJ. Well, Wes,
0: one, one of the reasons why I reached out to you is that you're personable. You're down to earth. You're level. But you always want to share the platform. It's one of these things where when I try to tell people how great some towers are in our country, how they have helped fellow communities and how many times they've, they've done food drives, they've done Toys for Tots, they've done so many good things that you sit there. I was doing a, a food, you know, for a, this is for homeless people. And here's Towers calling me on the phone saying, hey, can I chip in $50 to feed the hungry? And I went, oh, God bless you. Thank you. And I go get canned foods and bring them to the shelter on behalf of towers, people don't realize how many good towers are out in our country, and a guy like Wes Wilburn brings it to the format and they bring it up. And I, I appreciate and I appreciate the the podcast that you do, my friend. And we'll see everybody you, next time. Thank you, DJ. All right, my friend. Everybody, be safe. Be strong. Listen to us again.